Welcome back, fight fans, to the Neutral Corner, episode 189B. I am your host, Michael Montero, for BoxingMonthly.com and Boxing Monthly Magazine. And I am joined today by a very special guest, Mr. ESPN himself, Steve Kim. Hola. <laughs> Steve, Hola. Thanks for joining the party. He's digging the view, guys. Yeah. He's digging the view. Let's pan this over a little bit. Boom. Here we go. All right. So, Steve, uh, we got a few questions for you from the Twitter crowd. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, I want to hit on a couple news and notes items. Uh, one thing about, did you hear about this story in Albania where a fighter died? Yeah, I've, I've heard about bringing in a dead body. Yeah, but this was... That is literal. Yeah, this was li- not lineal. Literal. Okay, okay. Yeah, we'll get on that later. We'll get on that later. Later, later. I So I reported this Monday that a fighter named uh, Iosus Velikov died in Albania in a fight this Saturday in the first round. Turns out it was his cousin... Borislav Velikov, who impersonated him, Man. used his license, gets up in the ring, has a pre-existing heart condition, dies from heart failure. From I guess he got jabbed once, dies in the ring. So, not that Albania is going to be mistaken for the Nevada State Athletic Commission anytime soon, but you got to think, there's going to be some lawsuits here, right? I mean, the Albania Commission, Albanian Commission, didn't get this checked out. That was my phone ringing. That was not the IRS. That was not the IRS calling me or the FBI. That was my mom actually calling me. It's my mother's birthday today, so that was her calling me. Mom, happy birthday, but we're busy. (laughs) We're busy, Ma. I'll call you back in a little bit. Yeah, jeez. So, yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was crazy. In boxing, you think you've seen it all. Can I just say something? Very very seriously. If you're going to steal your relative's ID and identity, do it to put a down payment on a car. Yes. Or a house. Or some jewelry. Right. Not to get in the ring and die. Right. I hate to troll the guy, but I reported this Monday as like a really serious, sad tragedy because I didn't know the details of the story and now I'm looking like an idiot, and which wouldn't be the first time. uh, Oh, hey, we got a couple super chats in the house. Uh, Foe checking in for the taste show. The Kimster is in the house, he says. And then Trini Cervantes is in the house. Trini! Trini, what's up? Thank Old you guys. The next round caller, Trini. We love you, that, right? Trini. Old school, you, the you next round. Man. He says, two of the best today. Saludos, Steve and Mike. Thank you very much, guys, yeah. for the super chats. We appreciate mm. it. Awesome. All right, another quick news item, real quick. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, going to be announced over there a few blocks that way. Oh, and by the way, it's going to be on no time. <laughs> yeah, Fox. And by the way, I saw this coming a mile away. Coming- I didn't. I, I really? look like an idiot again. Well, they were going back and forth with the negotiations. Uh, and I thought Steven Espinosa talking about loyalty with Deontay Wilder. <laughs> he overpaid for the fight with Brazil. All right, hold on. So I thought it was going to Showtime, but, you know, there is no loyalty in boxing. You know right? what this is? Okay, let's like... It's going to Fox pay-per-view. Let's say you're the, like that really good-looking high school kid, and everyone wants to go to the prom with you. <laughs> but the good-looking kid wants to go with the homecoming queen. Oh, the girls, but the homecoming queen, she's got options, too. But you kind of know where this is headed. So the other girls are on the honor roll. They're nice. They have nice personalities. But you kind of know, like, ooh, these two are kind of meant for each other. Yeah. Fox and this fight were meant for each other. Now, I was told a couple of weeks ago, Fury Wilder, if that's the fight that's going to happen, February 22nd has been announced as a date. I'm being told that's already going to be Fox and ESPN. How, how the hell does that work? Fox and ESPN. HBO and Showtime would do split network pay-per-views. Right. But that was premium cable how does that work with fox and espn you've got commercial breaks 
You've got sponsors. No, you're right about that. But look, I actually get along with a lot of people at Showtime. I have a great respect for them. A uh, series like Showbox, I believe more networks, the better. But, and we talked about this earlier, Mike, doesn't Showtime in 2019 going into 2020 have the look of HBO in 2016 and 17? Yeah, we were just having lunch talking mm. about that a while ago. Just mm. it, it, The writing is on the wall. Now, you talked about this on Twitter on your show, they've got a couple of fights coming up with uh, Charlo. Yeah, they do. The Charlo against Dennis Hogan, December 7th. I heard they might do another show after that. Obviously, October 26th, they got Lubin and Gaucher. And look, I, I would miss the Showbox series. Like on this past yeah, Friday, I, I got to see my nephew, Brandon Lee, not really my <laughs> nephew. And I got to see Michael Dutchover, took a tough loss, right. Ruben Villa. Look, I like the developmental series. They're, Showtime to me, they've been in boxing since 1986. It's really based yeah. on Marvin Hagler. Uh, Donald Curry losing to Lloyd Hunnigan. They did Tyson and Holyfield Tyson for years. Tyson and Holyfield, yeah. But, yep. you know, what I think I'm finding out is that it is hard to serve two masters. Now, it's obvious to me that Al Heyman and PBC, they have to go out there and fortify Fox for a lot of different reasons. Number one, they're a much bigger network. They have a much bigger reach. The platform is the huge. The platform is huge. It's so, in every home in America. You know, I, I, I was even told by a good source tonight that even Bob Arum, as it related to Fury Wilder, he said to the other side, hey, guys, I want to have Fox, not Showtime, because of yeah. the reach. So th- there's a reality here. And in my view, if Showtime is not willing to work with other promoters, I don't know about their long-term viability within the sport. That's a good point because they were exclusive to PBC, right? That was originally the deal they had with Uncle yes. Elna. When does that run out? And then maybe they can open up and they can bring on somebody else. And maybe they just keep Showbox. I'd have to look this up. But I don't know when the last time they had a Showtime Championship Boxing telecast that wasn't PBC. It's at least five, six years. You got to go back before 2014, probably. 2015, yeah. 2014. So, right. yeah. So, it, it really, it's when does that contract run out? And then what do they want to do? Because I, mean, I look, like Showbox, but let's be honest, man. You could bring Showbox to Fox Sports 1 well, in Fox Deport Days, and it, it's cheaper to produce there. Mike, there were a lot of uh, rumors and stuff that I was told by various promoters that they were going to do a weekday boxing series that was going to showcase younger talent. And I, I think three or four promoters were going to be involved. I kept hearing June, then July, then August. Mike, we're a couple days from October. October, Yeah, It is what it is. Yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. But I I will say, if HBO's time came and went, I think it's a good thing HBO boxing is no longer part of the equation because pay-per-view, although we're about to have a pay-per-view this weekend, to me is more and more a thing of the past. Uh, Premium cable is, is more about Game of Thrones in those sorts of things yeah. now. Uh, boxing, I think, coming back to network TV is a good thing, right? It, it is, but, you know, I agree with you. There is a changing paradigm within boxing in terms streaming. of height. Streaming is a big thing. And, look, The Zone has a very strong schedule. Let's be honest about it. Uh, the network- I keep saying, you got to go back to the 90s to find a three-month yeah. schedule like that. Right, and then you look at the company that I work for, the corporate entity that I represent, ESPN, there, there has been a, I don't want to call it an agenda, but this year 
they have fortified ESPN Plus by putting a lot of events on there. Right. This is not going away, you know. So I don't know where you're right. I don't. So I don't know where is Showtime fits into all this. Look, literally in my office, I've talked about this on Twitter. At my office in East LA, Montebello, and in my home, I have a Peanuts calendar and a Miami Hurricanes calendar, big boxes. And I have a system where I write down all the dates, televised fights, championship fights, where I'm traveling, appointments. Literally, I went two, three, four months without putting down these three letters, SHO in between yeah. parentheses. And I, it's like, look, I get calls all the time. I'll tweet something, and someone from a network will call me and say, oh, Steve, you got this wrong. And I, I said to one guy, I haven't written your network down on my calendar in three months. What do you want me to say? Right. And you what, know, what can you say? Right. It is what it is. It is what it is. So Wilder Ortiz will go to Fox Pay-Per-View. That will be announced this weekend. It makes sense that they're going to announce yeah. it on a Fox Pay-Per-View yeah. broadcast, Spence Porter. And honestly, I think Wilder Ortiz is bigger and better on Fox. It belongs on Fox. And I think it's going to do pretty good numbers. Well, it's look, not going to do great numbers. It depends. But- well, look, again, they have to pay Deontay Wilder an exorbitant fund. Because the zone, he said no to the zone. The, right, and there was a lot of pressure put on that other side now. Now, look, if you're going to do, because um, let's face it, the Otto Wallen fight turned out better than we thought, very low expectations. Now, this fight with Ortiz, see what you want about Ortiz. He might be 143 years old, as uh, Tyson Fury told me. <laughs> and Uber. blood pressure condition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, But it's a much more dangerous fight. I mean, this guy was 35 seconds away from winning the heavyweight title last year. Mm-hmm. He let him off the hook in the seventh round. So if you're planning on that rematch happening in the first quarter of 2020, the prelude is important. We know the ESPN machinery has already begun with Tyson Fury the past year. That if you're Fox, you're saying, okay, if we're going to get involved next year... We need to get the ball rolling this year. Mm-hmm. So, it, to me, it's what you call a fait accompli. Yeah. I think, I personally, I think Deontay Wilder is going to destroy Ortiz in the rematch. Easier. Easier, faster. Easier. And, and I really think he learned from those 12 rounds with Tyson Fury. Let's face it, before that fight with Tyson Fury, he had never spent 12 rounds with an elite level heavyweight like that. I think he learned a lot. He learned a little bit in that first fight with Luis Ortiz as well. But he's got that measuring stick now. With, with, with Fury, look who he's fought since that first fight with Wilder. He fought... Uh, Flotsam and Jetsam. <laughs> he made the Schwartz be with you. Yeah. And then Otto Valin, who's not a top 10 heavyweight. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. Is that going to prepare him for Wilder? Meanwhile, Wilder, yeah, Dominic Brazil, fine. But this fight against Luis Ortiz... It's a real fight. Because it's you know, a real fight. What's the last you thing can to compare go? it to the first fight. What's the last thing to go? Power. Power. Yeah. And Ortiz has legitimate power. Yeah. And Deontay Wilder has terrible fundamentals and leaves his chin right. out there. He got caught in that first fight because of those poor fundamentals. So, I, anyway, I, I look forward to that fight. And I, I, I think it's the smart move putting it on Fox. Uh, speaking of ESPN, Come Lopez. Richard Come, Tiafimo Lopez. Signed, sealed, delivered. MSG, right? Yes. It, that, that's the theater, right? The no, theater. no, no. They're going big room. They're going to big room? Yes, they are. Wow, they're going to have to stack that up. That particular date, Mike, from an ESPN standpoint, Heisman. Uh, it's always the Heisman right. lead-in, and so it'll always be ESPN. Terrence Crawford will most likely fight the Mean Machine, I guess, That's right. That's right. Some people will call that the main event. Others will call it the walkout bout. I think it's a great show. Michael Collin will fight his amateur nemesis. There'll be a lot of prospects on that card. Edgar Bang Bang Berlanga, hard-punching Puerto Rican. It's going to be a lot of fun that night. Uh, I am going to be out there. 
And look, I think a lot of people are making too much of the difficulties Tiafimo had. I agree. Masayoshi yeah. Nakatani, Bonsai. I was going to ask I, I was, you about that. I was out there for that fight, I, the horrible aftermath of the death of Maxim Dadashev. I, I, you know, um, that guy was tall. That's the tallest And Jeff. awkward. And he's awkward and he was tough. Yeah, right, right. And he was very tough. And for this particular fight, what I'm being told, and I reported on it yesterday, Teofimo Lopez will be working out in a very secluded area. His training camp will take place in Flemington, New Jersey, which was the site of the Lindbergh kidnappings. Look that up. Wow. Because I couldn't make it up. Yeah, and wow. so it's going to be close to his wife in Brooklyn. Um, it's going to be secluded. They'll have all their sparring partners out there. Look, I know Teofimo and his families very well. There's a lot of, I love those people. There's a lot of nuttiness and zaniness. But you know what? They, they know how to kind of make it work. But I think the kid himself wants a little bit of peace and quiet, and I think mm-hmm. he's going to get that for this fight. And, you know, same thing with him. The 12 rounds he spent with that Japanese fighter is the best thing that could have happened to he him. He needed rounds. He needed rounds. And you've got to have a tough fight like that where you struggle yeah. a little bit that you can go back and look at. That's what you build off of. And I think if he doesn't fight Mas- Mashi, I was Masayoshi say, Nakatani. Masayoshi Nakatani. If he doesn't fight him and goes into that Richard Kome fight, he might lose. But because he spent those 12 rounds with Nakatani, I think he's going to beat Kome. Yeah, look, before you go across swimming across the Atlantic, you better at least have dipped your toe into the deep end of the pool. Right. And right. look, that night was very strange. I, I still remember being there ringside. It was at the MGM Grand National Harbor. Right. And there was a lot of focus. There was this, like this bad feeling because Dadashev got taken off. Right. And I still remember... How do you follow that? Well, you know, when I was there that night, so I'm there with Gene Wang, Washington Post, and even in the first round, my editors are, are texting me and emailing me, and there's a lot of talk. Bernardo Asuna did a great job for ESPN Update. They were saying, Steve, after this fight, you're going to the hospital because this guy's life is in danger. People saw him throw up outside the ring. And, yeah. and, and, and it was just a strange feel that night. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Just one of those nights. And you, by the way, I got to say, you're my friend, but all that beside, you did an outstanding job handling oh, the situation. <laughs> your reporting, I, I just thought, was outstanding. And that had to be a difficult. You know, that's the first time I've had to actually do that. And what was interesting was, uh, as I'm, uh, I said, look, I want to watch Tiafimo fight. I came 3,000 miles out. It was interesting. Dan Rayfield actually is five minutes from that venue. He went to the Pacquiao fight, and I went mm. 3,000 miles east to that fight. That's crazy. Because, you know, I want to follow this Kurt Tiafimo. Right. So as I'm watching the fight, I'm getting these messages and texts from various people, friends, people that he, saying, Steve, yeah, I heard you're going to the hospital. And I said, who said this? Well, I heard Joe Tessitore on the broadcast that Steve Kim will be at the hospital. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. He, he said that very clearly. Uh, and you said good things about you. He said Steve's been doing this for a long time. <laughs> I had He's never been, done that. I, I'll say one that's thing. That's a new one, right? So, well, you were at the hospital yeah. at one point, and, and he was on a gurney. Dadashev was. Yeah, well. Pushed past you, right? We, me and Gene Wang had a lot to, uh, had, was a great aide. He gave me a ride there. He lives in that area. He's a very experienced reporter, a very accomplished writer. So we get there. It's probably about, I'd say, 1.42 o'clock, somewhere around there. We're in the emergency room. Uh, finally, things happen. We get to the back, get to the back. And the last thing that I remember about being at the Prince George's Hospital, uh, which is affiliated with the University of Maryland, 
There's Aegis um, Climus, Donata Stanovicius, the strength and conditioning, conditioning coach. coach yeah, very yeah. nice guy. Who, by the way, the whole time I didn't notice this till the end, had the shoes and the boxing robe and trunks of Dadashev. Mm. Uh, it was a striking image. So as we're going, finally, we're leaving. And of all the places to be, it's, it's like a long labyrinth. There's only a two, two or three-story uh, high facility, so it's very long. So you have to go through a lot of uh, mazes to get back out. And as we turned the corner one time, we actually saw Maxim coming right out of surgery. And That's I had to crazy. turn away. And, you know, so you turned away. You literally I, turned I literally away. did. Cause I, I, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I thought to myself, he's not going to make it. Because he, yeah, and the Saturday, me and Donatus went there. Uh, I had to do a hit later that night. In fact, I had to do a hit that night and then come back and actually do some stuff on the Pacquiao Thurman fight. Sunday morning, I had to do another hit there. And the, the most difficult thing about that, and I learned something, is that with a patient of that condition, there's a thing called the HIPAA regulations. Right. Age, Right. That literally, unless you are the Family. next of kin or the wife or husband, you're not allowed to give out info. Right. So, you know, we were allowed to see him. We were on the approved list. He never regained consciousness. And Saturday, he was under intensive care of the ICU unit. He had two nurses on him the whole time. Sunday, when I came back, um, he was actually being looked at much more carefully. And I said to myself... It doesn't seem to be trending well. Because, yeah, usually at that point, if, if a fighter's going to live, there's been some improvement right. in the condition, and his just kept declining. Yeah. Right? So, so and they... then I, I flew back Sunday night, early Monday morning, and what I was told and I was woken up with the news was that I think around 3 o'clock Pacific time, 6 o'clock Eastern time, they're in Maryland, uh, he had passed away. And it was really quick. It was really stunning. That's probably the one thing that I will remember over this past summer. Over any other fight was really the plight of Maxim Dadashev. It's probably one of those things where you won't forget the date and yeah. the time. Yeah. Probably 10 years from now, you'll be able to say the exact time. July 19th, July 20th. Yeah, you just yeah. won't forget that, right? Yeah. Not to get dark and depressing on this episode, guys. Sorry. Yeah. But... Um, Anyway, let, okay, let's, let's change subjects and go to uh, fight preview. So the big one this Saturday, we'll get to in a second, but Friday, September 27th at the Robert Allen Hall, Kensington, London, ESPN Plus here in America, BT Sport over in the UK. Daniel Dubois, 12 Dubois. and 0. Dubois, 11 KOs, 22 years old. I like him. I, I th- he's my favorite Much improved. prospect. Much improved. When I saw him yeah. a, year, a year and a half ago, I said just a big body, somewhat muscular, Strong. I said, hopefully, in a little five, stiff start. Yeah, and I said, hopefully, five, six years from now, he can learn how to fight. His last fight, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You remember that scene, the opening episode of The Wonder Years when Winnie Cooper, the first day of school, you, you watched The Wonder Years, right? Yeah, yeah. When Winnie remember. Cooper got dressed up, you're like, ooh, yeah. what's, what's going on here? <laughs> like, and Kevin Arnold, the eyes bugged out. That's, <laughs> yeah. Daniel Dubois impressed me. I was like, this kid's good. Well, against Gorman. Nathan Gorman. And I said, you Who's know Who's a domestic level, yeah, but let's but, be clear. But a guy but, you're supposed to fight at that level. And it's, it was his best right. uh, opponent to date. And he looked very good. Yeah. Now, look, now, look, compare him to F.A. Jagba. And I took, I took some shit because I've been saying Danny Dubois is the most upside of any heavyweight prospect for the last year or so. And I had a lot of people say, no way, it's F.A. Jagba. No way, it's uh, Joe Joyce and some of these other guys. 
And now I think Danny Dubois well, it has... Well, here's the thing. Separated himself. I like F.A. Uh, Ronnie Shields told me I like him that too, but he's a little one-dimensional little so far. stiff. And stiff, too. I call him giant robot. I mean, my God. Not as bad as Joe Joyce. No, but, Joe, but well, here's the thing. But Joe Joyce is already 33-34. And he actually punches in combination, at least. You know, you know, Daniel Dubois has one thing those other two lack. Forget the age or anything else. Fluidity. And he thinks a little bit. Right. And I saw him think against Gorman. F.A. Jogba is strong. Ronnie Shields says he has never worked the mitts for anyone that could hit like that. They have to have specially designed mitts with extra padding, and he still breaks them. Damn. But. That's legit. In his last fight, you saw there's a lot of rough edges. If you can see the shots coming, it doesn't matter how hard they are if you see them coming. Right. That's the whole Dubois point. Dubois has a little bit of quickness. And he's he can very, hide the shot yeah. a little bit. So, right. you know, look, when Tyson Fury gives you a compliment, which he did, he said, I like Dubois, I, I, that to me is very telling. Okay. Well, he's going up against Ebenezer Tite, mm. Tite uh, out of Ghana, his first fight outside of Ghana. And look, sometimes these guys out of Ghana are tough. Sometimes... It, sometimes they're Ike Corte, sometimes they're Patrick Olote. There you go. Yeah. This is probably mm. going to be Patrick Olote. Yeah. Over 200 pounds. Yeah, they right? know what they're doing. Okay, so hopefully he gets some rounds in, stays busy, good to go. Okay, Saturday, September 28th, Staples Center, Los Angeles, a few blocks right over there. PBC on Fox Sports pay-per-view. Let's start on Fox Sports 1. Robert Guerrero fighting Gerald Thomas on free TV. Steve, when Robert Guerrero went pro, it was a few months after George W. Bush had been inaugurated. Mm. He almost goes back to Bill Clinton. Why is he still fighting? You know, he retired a few years ago. And That's I, what I thought. I yeah. still remember. I think it was after the Danny Garcia fight. Yeah, right? Like 2016? You know, I was at his yeah. fight in March. It was a walkout bout after Sean Porter Ugas in Carson. Okay. It was cold. We had a very cold winter, actually. And I remember watching and I'm going, what is he doing? I, I did not get it. I've always liked Robert. I like. I thought Ruben. that when he fought Aaron Martinez. Yeah. Same place. You're right. I was at Carson too. I was like, "What the hell?" On Saturday on? morning, by the way. Remember that yeah. one? There was early nobody. PB, early PBC. Yeah. 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 And I just I don't know what what the upside is here. I don't know what they're doing. Look, he had a good career. He won multiple world titles. He beat good Andre career. Berto. He, he got, got a May- Mayweather money. He got a Mayweather payday. I just I don't get it. He's fighting Gerald Thomas, who is from St. Mary's, Kansas. His first fight outside of Kansas. Oh, from so, Kansas? He's going to win. <laughs> right? Guerrero. <laughs> Guerrero's going to win. Guerrero's well, round. It's probably going to be a knockout. But anyway, okay. Pay-per-view time. Let's start with Jose Cito Lopez versus John Molina. Now, I like this fight. I think it's going to steal the show as far as two-way action goes. Steal the show. I feel sorry for everyone that's going to show up at about 6.45 then. Because I think that's the first fight of the pay-per-view. Yes, which doesn't make um, any sense to me. All right, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll put it out there right now. I like Jose Cito handily. Really? Yes. You just think he's got less uh, miles on the odometer? Yes. And also, look, he shook up Keith Thurman. He did. And Johnny Molina's never been a great technician. He's been no. banged up a lot. There's a, there's a lot of theories as to why his last fight got canceled. Jose Cito, to me is a much more sound, fundamentally uh, grounded fighter. And I think he's tighter technically. So I'm going to go with him. Coming off that loss to Thurman in January, which was close, 
And then uh, Molina lost to Omar Figueroa in February. And by the way, I was so, at that fight. That was at the Nokia Theater a couple blocks from here. Mm-hmm. I love John, but I thought John lost his legs. Okay. Did not look like he was a whole guy. Didn't look whole. Looked very kind of empty. So I will go with... Lopez. Lopez. Okay. Decision? Yes. Going the distance, Yes, right? not much of a puncher, but I think he'll outwork him. So Mario Barrios, 24-0, oh, 16 This is my favorite fight. Going uh, up against Uzbeki Russian Turk, Batir Akhmedov. Great fight. For the vacant WBA... Junior welterweight title. Well, okay. What's well, the BA? Super flyweight. Yeah, um, the BA, one of the 8,000 uh, titles the, that they have. Uh, Akhmedov is one of those Uzbekis that trains with uh, Joel Diaz out there in Coachella. He's Man- building a little crew out there. Yeah, oh, right great here. crew. He's going to have a lot of world champions out there. I agree. Managed by uh, Alik Frolov and our good friend Vadim Kornilov. Uh, managed or promoted by World of Boxing. I'm surprised the odds are so heavy in Barrios' favor. Barrios has been very impressive. Big, strong, strapping guy. Looks like he's got some good tools. But look, matchmaking can make a guy look better than they are. Akhmedev, and again, I think it's vice versa. This is their first real fight. Right. I think this fight goes down to the wire. I really do. And Akhmedov, 2016 Olympian for Turkey, fought in the World Series of Boxing. He's a southpaw. So I think that, yeah, you know what? This might end up. This might end up stealing the show. Yeah, and we might have a, a slight upset special here. There's definitely a possibility. The one thing Akhmedov has seven fights as a pro. So well, all those guys, that. that whole crew, like Israel Madramov, back to Billy Melikuliyev. Um, yeah, that was great pronunciation. Holy shit! Yeah, Scrabble points about eighty-five. <laughs> they, none of these guys are going to get twenty tune-up fights. They're not. They're going to go right in. Yes, right? they're going to yeah. go right Just in. Just like the Ukrainians yes. that came before. I've been telling everyone, you've been saying this too on your show about the Uzbeki fighters. They're the next wave. They are. Right? They it's are. Ukraine right now, but yeah. five years from now? One of my features next week ahead of the Golovkin fight is on Israel Madramov, who I believe is one of the top two or three prospects in the game. He only has three fights. They were willing to fight Jaime Munguia in their pro debut for a title. Wow. The, the, the list of opponents wow. that I've been told that turns down Madrimov, and you talk to a lot of the people that know the amateur ranks, like a Ryan Scalia, mm-hmm. okay, those guys, they will tell you that guy is the real deal. Just saying. All right, well, here's the co-main. Now, I think this is a blowout. Anthony Durrell, David Benavidez. Hmm. Benavidez, 21-0 with 18 knockouts. This is for the WBC Super uh, super middleweight title that, that he never lost be, in the ring. Right, he lost it through his nose. Candy. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's talk about Darrell real quick. Um, and my boys, the Vince, dog Vince and Keith talked about this on uh, on their oh, show, the boxing, the boxing rant. rant. Love, Love those guys. So I'm going to go off what they were saying. But they're talking about Anthony Darrell, two time titleist. But here, who's who he beat? He won the WBC super middleweight title against Saki Obika at StubHub yeah, in 2014. I remember that fight. I was there too. That was, was a horrible, dreary, horrible dreary. fight. I still remember that. You remember the bad ones sometimes just as much as yeah. you remember the good ones. Anyway, never defended it. His first defense, he lost to Badu Jack. Yes, so he did. He didn't get one defense. And just got the WBC, the same title, the second time, beating Avi Yildirim. Yildirim on Fox FS1. And that was controversial. That right. was a very tight fight. Uh, my good friend Harold Shadow Knight says, to this day, they understood what was going to happen, and mm. they opened up the cut on purpose so they would stop it, knowing that they were probably head on points. 
And by the way, Yildirim is going to get the winner of that because the BC said there was some shadiness to that. Okay. Yeah, okay. but I, 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 I like Benavides. I think Durrell has some legs. He doesn't have enough legs. He's going to run for a while, right? right? And that's going to make it go round. But what did Joe Lewis say? You can run. But you can't hide. Can't hide. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, Benavides stops him. It's, I, I think it's actually going to be a highlight reel knockout. I think he's going to catch Durrell sliding on the ropes, loop a right hand, boom. You think it'll look like the Uskatagi fight against Andre Durrell? Pressure, steady yes. pressure, grinding yes. him, yeah. pressing him. That's kind of what it looks like to me. Yeah, and Anthony is, has always been a shade. I think he's got more dog in him than Andre. You know, a little more yeah, dog in but him. But not the slickness. Not the slickness or the, or yeah. the talent, let's be yeah. honest. So, anyway, that's, that's what happens there in the Comey. And, and then the main event, Errol Spence, 25-0, and 0, 21 knockouts, IBF welterweight title, unifying against Sean Porter, 32-1, 17 knockouts, WBC title. So let's talk a little bit about the background here. Spence won the IBF in May 2017. Defenses against Lamont Peterson, Carlos Ocampo, and Mikey Garcia in March. Now, some people have bashed the hell out of Spence's resume. I understand that to a degree, (laughs) but he's being avoided. He is being avoided. Um, But you know what? He's still not proven, Steve. He's still not proven. He's not, but it's almost like Golovkin, like I said on Twitter a couple days ago. The eye test. Uh, 2012, 2015. Look, sometimes who guys are not willing to face is an indicator of how good they are. Now, I think Spence is no worse than 1A okay. at welterweight. It depends on how highly you grade Terrence Crawford, who's also very, very unproven. At welterweight. Yes, yeah. at welterweight. So, I, you know, look, Errol Spence, to me, reminds me a lot of Marvin Hagler, technically. Great balance. I told you this on the um, what, 10 count years ago. He reminds me of Hagler. Great balance. Every punch counts. Technically sound. And there's a purpose to every punch. Everything has intent. Yeah. Everything has intent. Yeah. And he beats you up like he's hitting a baseball bat to a pinata. Mm-hmm. So I'm a believer in Errol Spence. I think he's one of the better fighters in the world. Look, I don't think he's top five pound for pound. I think that's where you overrate him. People. Yeah, he hasn't uh, done enough yet to be pound for pound. I think Crawford's clearly done more. In yeah. a pound-for-pound pound sense, yeah. by cleaning out a division, which I rate. Well, really I've always said, if you have Errol Spence between 7 and 10 pound-for-pound, you're right on. Yeah, if you have him in the top 5, I think at that point you're jumping the gun. Look, I said this on the next round with Mario Lopez. If you go by every category of boxing and every skill set, all that other stuff, I don't know what Sean Porter does better than Spence. More physical, he's Headbutt. stronger, but what does he do? Yeah. I think, well, look, for, for Porter to win, in background on him, Porter won the vacant WBC title September 1st. One defense against Jordanus Ugas, who many felt uh, I was he there, lost to not, in let me, March. Let me just tell you something. I was there at Staples, at StubHub. Dignity Health Depot, whatever the hell yeah, it's called. Um, the large majority. And I love the Porters. I think they're great I do too. people. I'm a big Sean fan Kenny of Sean and Kenny are awesome people. Awesome people. Um, boy, I, 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 I had it 8 4, 6, 1, 16, 1, 12. And most of my colleagues ringside, we all had Ugas winning. So, so then, you're, then you're in line with the 10 to 1 odds, huh? Because I saw that the odds were closer. They've shifted fight week. They're 10 to 1 now. And I thought... Well, the wise guys widened it. Look, look. The wise guys always know. Start off at 4 and 1. Went to 10 to 1. Maybe it swings back. I think 10 to 1 is a little bit wide. That's got to be too wide. But here's the thing. 
for as strong and bullish as Porter is, he's not a great puncher. Right. Um, doesn't gauge distance well. Always kind of uh, crowds He smothers himself. his work. Yes, he, he really does. And, I'm, and the one thing that we found out, which we, we kind of knew based on his background, Errol Spence has a very educated right hand. His jab is good. It's long. He knows when to use it. He knows how to set it up. And he throws a good straight one-two. And so he can fight inside distance, mid-range. He can throw it back and up. He can right. shorten up. Yeah. So I just, again, maybe, but we have seen fights like this where intangibles matter. Maybe Sean Porter is so rough, physical, and has enough athletic character that after early tough rounds, he starts to turn the tide because Errol says, wait a minute, it wasn't supposed to be this hard. Right. I, I find this fight to be fascinating in one sense is that maybe we are all wrong about both guys. Yeah. That's you know? the way, well, that's the way, honestly, Spence Garcia was for me. Because I personally think, and I take shit from the, for, for this, but I think Mikey Garcia is a little overrated. And there were people saying he was going to be faster than Spence because he was the smaller Well, that guy. wasn't the case. Yeah. He was not the fat. He was it's lower hands, slower feet, slower everything. And I underrated Spence a little bit. I thought Spence completely outclassed Garcia in that fight. Completely. Yeah. I don't care what weight they're at. Spence always beats Garcia, based on yeah. what I saw. The other thing about Spence I really noticed, that's the first time I'd seen him in a while. He's got long arms. Mm-hmm. His jab unfurls. And he, so he it's not uses just, the yeah. length well. So it's not just a hard jab. It's a long jab. He keeps you out way out he there. He keeps his head yeah. back. He keeps his right. head off the line. So it is very difficult to actually counter that jab. Even if you time it, with the right hand over the top, you better be in proper distance or he'll always win that battle. I think Porter, the only real chance he has to win is to make it ugly. And Otto Valin, uh, Errol Spence. I, I think if he could get in and cut him, not on purpose, yeah. of course, yeah. but if he could cut him early, maybe that changes the fight. That's really the only chance he has. But, you know, I saw this. Uh, Jake Donovan at Boxing Scene talked about this. PBC Fight Camp, the little preview show yeah. he did. It, uh, episode four had 1.7 million live views. That's the highest ever for that series. That's pretty impressive. That, I mean, if any fight yeah. got 1.7 yeah. million views, they'd be happy. So that tells you a little bit more about that Fox machine. Yeah. Does that correlate to pay-per-view buys? I well, we, we shall see, but that, that's the issue. I, I was told that Aram said for, for Wilder Fury, I'd much rather have Fox and Showtime as our partner. I don't blame them. No. I don't blame them. One. If you have Fox and ESPN promoting that yeah. rematch between Fury and Wilder, I think that's going to do big, big business. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so look, is this is this fight worth seventy five dollars? You know, <laughs> should it be on pay per view? I guess well, question, again, right? should any fight be on pay per view nowadays? We were talking uh, about that before. I actually you? like the undercard. I think the undercard is going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's one of you the know, better PBC undercards. Here's, here's the issue, though. Say. I think a lot of people have to understand one thing. Why are certain fights on pay-per-view? A lot of it is because you're paying these fighters so much, you can't do it on a regular license fee. Um, Which is surprising that they went here instead of Vegas, where you could have got a better site. Let me, let me defend that pay-per-view a little bit. Okay, all right. I've seen much worse matchups with a lot less on the line be pay-per-view. In, within the last 12 months? Yeah, I'll say one thing. The tickets were overpriced. Well, that's yeah, why yeah. they're... they're they're papering. No the, sellout. Yeah, they're papering yeah. the arena, but you know, whatever. How many? How many do you think? Five thousand. 
Well, for real? All I know, look, we know Jim Boone, Mr. KO Tickets. I always go by him. Always word. keeps it honest. And always he keeps said, it real. Steve, this thing, no. He said, they're flexing down tickets. They re-release tickets. All the shenanigans. And it, it's not like that makes us happy to say that because I get called a PBC critic. You get called a PBC critic. It's telling the truth, which, by the way, I told the truth about ticket sales for Fury Valine, yeah. which there are more comps than tickets sold. Yeah. Right? So, and I was out there. It is what it is, guys. It's part of the business. Okay? It's, it's not anybody hating. So, all right, look. Get a few questions in on the chat here for Mr. Steve Kim and myself. I'll ask you a few right here from yeah. Twitter, Steve. So, um, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to like Will on, um, on the Twitter asked, have you been granted a chance to don Don Raphael's, Dan Raphael's legendary fleece? <laughs> no, he's never offered. Okay. Never offered that. That was a quick one. Yeah, cool. James on Twitter, uh, he wants to know your take on the lineal issue. I know you probably can't say too much about the lineal Tyson Fury no, thing on the record. Look, it matters, but it's not everything. There comes a point where if you do not defend your title, and he didn't for about two years, you over lose, two years, you lose the lineage. It's important. It means That's the way something. I see it. It's but a it's broken not, lineage. But it's not everything. It is not everything. And let me let me ask you this as a follow up to that because I've said this on my channel. If, if right now, okay, Fury and Wilder are rated number one and number two for the heavyweights. Ring Magazine, we guys, at Ring Magazine, we rate them number one and number two. And at Boxing Monthly, we rate them number one and number two. If at the time they do their rematch next February, they're both still number one and number two, I have no problem calling that for the lineal championship yeah. because it's the number one and number two guys. But until then... Yeah. The lineage to me is wide open right now. Yeah, and the lineage, boy, you could you could really leverage this to not fight people. I still remember when Floyd Mayweather was a welterweight champion. A lot of people wanted the Margarito fight, yep. but in, but then Valdemir wins a fight, and then all of a sudden they get well, we're gonna fight Valdemir for the linear. Then everyone thought, oh, wait a minute, we'd rather fight. Margarito, have you fight Margarito? He turned down career high payday at yeah. that time. Yeah, he did. They had and to go pay per view with Baldemir to equal that payday. Look, I, I have um, stated this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Jack Dempsey's reign as a heavyweight titleist was embarrassing. I agree, and people have brought that up in comparison to Tyson Fury because they were like, if Jack Dempsey could not fight for three years or fight the guys he fought hmm. and be considered this all time great. Well, then Tyson Fury, well, right, but it's a different era. That's, that's almost a century ago. And look, the linear title is important. But this whole dogma, like, I, like, to me, I've always railed against we need one title per division, only one championship, a linear. You're, these people are not living in the real world. Of that's not the era that we have yeah. right now. And the thing is, too, boxing is so much more global than it was 100 years ago, where it was really a New York-based sport. Remember, the New York State Athletic Commission was the premier, yeah. basically, sanctioning body. Yeah, and the other thing is, in an era when fighters only fight at the world-class level twice a year, I don't want one champion per division. Because if you're that seventh-best guy who's actually really good, they will freeze you out. They will five freeze, years. They can freeze you, you out for five years. Out. Yeah. I, look, ask Marvin Hagler if he wanted a couple of extra belts where he could have built his career and parlayed that championship into, into the quicker opportunities at real big money. That's a great example. Uh, James also asked, Triple G versus Canelo, the third fight, does it happen? Hmm. I really believe that the zone and the golden boy themselves 
will push that issue because contractually... Oscar wants it. Yeah, right? I, I, well, here's the thing. I, I think it's contractually stated. It's got to be part of the deal with DAZN. Because why is. the hell would DAZN fork out all this money to Canelo, all this money to Golovkin? Well, I know for a fact it is. Okay. And that's why Golovkin was signed to a big deal. Golovkin's going to fight October 5th. He gets out clean. He's going to fight January, February. They're going to take care of that IBF mandatory because they want to be free and clear for the whole year. Come Cinco de Mayo. It's happening, right? That's where I think there's going to be a lot of pressure. But I thought that was very interesting. Last week at the Canelo Kovalev press conference, Oscar tells the media at his roundtable it's going to happen. And then Canelo said. Oh, he says a lot of stupid things that make. I'm like, ooh, there's some issues there. That's going to be a tough one. I mean, at. At some point, the people writing the checks, they will have their say. Well, they're the boss. They're the boss, they're the right? Boss. So regardless of what Canelo thinks, I think that third fight's happening. Loon Leo asks, um, is the Charlo train slowing down? What will it take to get that train going again? Well, I find it interesting. Certain fighters on the wrong side of the street, they have to cross the street. Other fighters, it's like, oh, they're being ducked. I just leave it at that. Yeah, it's funny because you know, in the welterweight division, that's owned by Uncle Al. And everyone's talking about Terrence Crawford needs to cross the street. Right. In the middleweight division, it's kind of a different story. Everyone's right. on the zone. Right. So, but what about, uh, okay, so that's Jermall, right? Jermall is at 54. Jermall, and I think he's going to have the rematch with Tony Harrison. Are they, gonna, are they finally going to do that? And I don't know when. I heard it was going to be in December. I was told that Julian Williams is going to get the winner of that fight. That's he should. Why, that's why Julian is not going to fight Erislandi Lara. Okay. He's not. Um, I don't know what happened to Jared Hurd. He had enforced the rematch clause and then backed out on it. Moving but it uh, I've been told that Julian Williams, he's going to take a regular, stay busy type of fight, either in December, January, and then come next May or June, he expects to fight the winner of that rematch, whenever that happens. Well, that's, that's a good fight if it does happen. Okay, we have one more on Twitter. We have uh, from Andrew Algovi. Still no word on Murat Gassiev. How's he doing? What happened and what's next? His body's breaking apart. and he At was such a young age. He was He's supposed a... to fight Joey Deweco. Right. July 27th and October 12th. My, I, I was told by the Deweco people, they've been told we're going to try to make that fight for December on the zone. But wow, we have not seen him since he lost to Alexander Usyk. Yeah. Remember that board game operation? On yeah. the body part? That's Murat Gassiev. Just break it down. Breaking down right? every body part, yeah. Man, too much uh, weightlifting, I think. I right? don't know what it is. Because um, he always seemed a little stiff. You know what? I know people are going to say PEDs. I've never gotten that sense from him. I think he's done drug testing. But I heard it's a chronic shoulder injury. Yeah, because if you just look at the way his shoulder... seems like he has high shoulders. Yeah. Like maybe not enough stretching. All right. Uh, Jacob Roberts asks, when is the 10 count coming back? Uh, ten count, rest in peace. It was a, it was a great <laughs> U- time. You see in live, rest yeah, in peace. Yeah. Uh, I've talked about that in my channel before. You know, such great potential with that channel, yeah. and they just didn't want to pay the man. Yeah. So, all right, um, Dimitri Bevel. You know, he's got an opponent coming up. Lennon and, Castillo. Yeah. Who, boy, it's slim pickings. You want to talk about a guy on the wrong side of the street? He kind of got stuck in this vortex of the zone. Yeah. Um, I saw him a couple weeks ago. He didn't know who his opponent was. Look, he's one of these guys. He leaves it up to his people. I, I would hope, and this is what Vadim Kornilov told me. He said, look, other people have worked together with Eddie Hearn. We're, we're with Eddie Hearn, Matchroom Sports, alongside World of the Boxing. We want to make some fights across the street. 
reaching across the aisle. Hopefully that happens in 2020. I hope so. Yeah, with Beevil, I just so much potential, and he had so much momentum going. He and did, and just... then he had a few fights where he didn't knock people out, but you look in retrospect, look, the Jean Pascal win suddenly looks much better. Right, and the rounds, he, he was another right. guy who He did need some rounds. It's, you're not going to knock everybody out every single fight, guys. You need rounds sometimes. Um, okay. D.S. Kennels asks, Kim, what's changed since joining ESPN in your career? Um, the money. The money's good, you know, but also um, it's a little bit different when... Yeah, the ESPN money now. <laughs> no, but it's not like I'm making Stephen A. money. Um, hmm, you, you, you can't be as free-flowing on social media. Yeah, um, I, you have buttoned it up. Yeah, you got to be, a little, you, you gotta be yeah. a little tightened up there, a little corporate entity. I'm trying to. But. Yeah, it's tough. But uh, it's great, though. But, I mean, look, I, you know, I'm working my way into the company in about 30... Three days, it'll be my first year anniversary. Time has flown by. I'm still trying to work my way in. That's know? great. Almost one year in. Yeah. All right, Louis Garaby asks, what's next for uh, Usyk? Should he beat Spong, well, which he will? keep this in mind. He's a WBO mandatory heavyweight. They have a rule that That's if you right. win a, right. uh, a championship in one weight class... If you move up... You, have, you, you, can, you can basically um, go to their committee and say, wait a minute, I make a strong case to be number one. So they made them the number one. So that's why when everyone said, why is he fighting Tyrone Sprong, this kickboxer? It's very simple. Because he can. Because yeah. if you're the number one and you're going to be soon to be the mandatory, you're not taking on a live body. Right. And they, I know they offered several other fighters. Right. And, they and he was going to fight Tar- Carlos Takam. Which and I they, thought was a good fight. Right. I know they reached out to Alexander Povetkin at right. one point. So it's not like they didn't try. But, okay. Uh, any news about Virgil Ortiz? A little bit of a hand injury. Okay. So the hope is that he comes back in, I think, November, December. Nothing definitive. It's not a major hand injury, but, but there's something there. I want to say this to Golden Boy. Start paying attention to this guy. He might be your best pure prospect. I've been saying that forever. Yeah. James Burrell says three knockdown rule is way better than saved by the bell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James. That's the comment of the night. Thank you. As Saloon Mooney says, the LDBC has manufactured some minor Hearn obsession. Minor? You call it minor. I call it, I call it major. Yeah. Uh, Muscle Memory asks, uh, Manny Pacquiao has the best win at 147 by dropping and hurting Thurman. Why are Crawford and Spence put above Manny on pound-for-pound pound list and welterweight rankings? You know, that's a good question. But again, you, can go, you have to go by the totality of the run. Do you think either of the guys would have struggled against Jeff Hearn? And the other thing is, I know this, and we know this all. He hasn't been in a rush to fight either of those guys. When he was with top rank, Bob Aaron, he had plenty of opportunities to fight Crawford. Yes, they didn't yes. want none, and I don't think they want any part of Spence. Which, by the way, is yeah. understandable. It's understandable, but it's not just about one win. It is about the totality of the campaign. And let's be honest about Keith Thurman, okay? I like Keith, I, you know, but he's been inactive. He's been inconsistent. He, was, he didn't look good against Lopez. He got, he's been injured. When he got buzzed by Jose Cito, I remember thinking, man, he's going to beat him. Yeah. I, I, that's the next fight. I said, man, he's going to beat him. So it is what it is. It's, I think it's still a great win for Pacquiao. But Unbelievable win. But being a shot win. Matisse right. and then Keith Thurman, there might be a little smoke and mirrors happening. No, there. I agree. Look, we all know what Broner is. 
Broner. Oh, then Broner. That's right. right. Broner. Broner with the catch and counter high earmuff style. Broner's always been overrated, and he's tailor-made for Manning. Right. And he backs straight up those looping shots. Oh, we, okay, we got a super chat here from Jason Goldstein. Thank you very, very much, Jason. I appreciate that. He says, hey, Mike and Steve, big fan of you both. Loma is the best I've seen in years. How do you think he stacks up in the GOAT conversation? Thanks, fellas. Way too soon. Right? Here's, the, here's the issue. He might end his career with less than 30 fights. I, I just, whoa. And I used to say this on the 10 count. Can you really have a guy in the pound for pound top five if he had less than 12 fights back? Remember I used to say that? Yeah, but I, I But quantity I over quality. Said, yeah. Let's see what he does. Because there's some young Turks now. There's Tank Davis, Devin yes. Haney, Tiafima yes. Lopez. But, you know, Lomachenko... In my view, you look at his amateur career, 396 and one, two gold medals. The guy has more gold medals than amateur losses. That's, that's <laughs> wow. an amazing stat. That's an amazing, and that counts when you look at a guy's whole career and where you rate him. I, I think because of that long amateur career and because he's fighting guys naturally bigger than himself, if he really wanted to, he could still make featherweight. He not not featherweight. just 130, The, the whole politics of the game and the fact that the other side of the street didn't want to deal with him after what he did to Gary Russell. And I was at that. I'm a big Gary I was Russell there too. fan. Yeah. He mastered Gary that was Russell. His third, pro third pro fight after he lost to Salito. And by the way, I'm the biggest Salito fan. I thought Salito that fight, come on. cheated like crazy in a lot of ways. Loma Before still, and during the fight. Yeah, and Loma may have still won at the end. Yeah, so. it was very, very close. Mm. Uh, so that loss, who gives a shit? But what I was going to say is. I think his run's going to be short. I think Lomachenko, three years from now, is, is on the yeah. down side. He's, he might already, might already be kind of getting close yeah. to that. He's, he's leveled out a little bit physically. Right? He's leveled out. He's, he's not going to be around for 10 years, guys. So enjoy it while you got him here. But all-time great, GOAT, he's mm. just, he needed to go pro five years earlier than he did to be able to get to that status. He'd have to beat uh, Lopez, which I think he, yeah. I still think he'll beat Lopez. But he'd have to beat Lopez, Haney, Tank, all those guys to even be in the discussion. It reminds me of when Ray Leonard asked the great Teddy Brenner, matchmaker, Madison Square Garden, Hey, Teddy, how do you compare me to Ray Leonard, uh, Ray Robinson? And Teddy Brenner just <laughs> goes, I don't know. I have 200 more fights and I'll tell you. Shit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, guys, one more question and then we're going to... We're going to take a knee here. <laughs> We're going to no. retire in the corner because we've got Thursday Night Football here about to start. And uh, they're in Philly? Yes. They're in Philly tonight? I don't know. No, man. they're Green Bay. Green Bay. Green they Bay are in Green Bay? Philly. I, I don't know about Philly yeah. this year, man. I, I don't think it looks good. Okay, uh, one last question from John Uden. Hey, guys, have you heard of a date for Dortico's Brady's Cruiserweight Final? That's in December. Oh, no, right? that's going to be in December. I think yeah. December 21st. I think, yeah. There's a date set for that. Is now, it, the checks might bounce like Spalding basketballs, <laughs> but there is a date. It's I've either seen the it. 14th or the, I yeah, think it's it, the 21st. It's one of those dates in December, but it's yeah. set. It's on the schedule. Oh, we got a super chat here from yes. Harrison Property. Thank you so much. He asked, uh, I'd like to get Steve's thoughts on Devin Haney. And well I'll leave it at that. Very well schooled. I think he's, uh, one thing I've said this before on the three knockdown rule, he has a certain stability and a focus to boxing that right now, uh, I wish Teofimo Lopez had that. Works very hard. I got to yeah. Victor Conte thinks the world of him. They're working at snack. Um, fast, quick, getting his man strength. Great purpose. 
thinks. He, yeah. he, he, see, and he Bill sees Haney, things coming. Father to a child. You've got to have a father to a child. And, yeah. and he's a strong leader in that corner. He is very, very close to doing some big things. I've said this, Mike, and I think me and you are on the same accord. When you say to me, Steve, who's the future of boxing? It's Devin, Tiafimo, Virgil Ortiz, Israel Madrimov. They're in part, like, it's like Earl Campbell's once said about him by Bum Phillips. I don't know if he's in a class of his own, but it don't take long to call roll. Yeah. And he's in that class. Yeah, I agree. And I think he might have more upside than Tiafimo Lopez. Yeah, he's a little bit faster, but Tiafimo has power. I'm just telling you, he's got an unbelievable amount of... He's explosive. Yeah, he really is. And he's even slicker than people think, but I think the world of Devin Haney. Very nice young man, too. All right, one last question yeah. I lied. From Goodfellas Pulp Fiction, kind of a joke. Steve, what are your thoughts on Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless boxing knowledge? I think they're fine co-workers. I, look, here's the thing that gets me. Guys, the, they are his co-workers. They, what do you want to say? They're to give their opinion. I don't get it. I, I actually, But people look at them. I, okay, I'll say this. I don't work for ESPN, yeah. so I can say this. They have huge profiles, especially Stephen. Of course, a. they do. Stephen and I, Skip Bayless is not Fox, I should say, right? I think he left ESPN. He's yeah. Fox. Okay. Huge profiles, so people take their word as gospel. Casual fans, and sometimes, do you think they might do more damage by no. saying some of the dumb I, I really, shit they here's, do? Here's my take on it. You can't, on one hand, say, "Oh my God, I don't care what these guys say about anything, especially boxing." Good. Then they say something. And then you talk about it for five days. Like, which is it? Do you care or do you do, or you don't? You can, I mean, and the other thing about you know the one That's thing fair. I do respect about Stephen A. Smith, he says things that go against the grain. Yes. For a guy to say, especially being black, saying Colin Kaepernick, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. And to some, I'm like, wow. I mean, look, he's not just pandering. He's not just saying things um, that are expected. He's giving his opinion. He's provocative. He's, you know what? He's got, a, he's got an entertaining delivery. And he look, does yell a lot. Look, <laughs> look, it could not have been good for him politically and socially in a lot of ways to say, oh, Kovalev got robbed against Ward. Yeah. The way he did. I, I give him credit. I don't, look. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I think those guys have crafted careers. Oh, they're geniuses yeah, in that I mean, respect. I'll give them that all day. And look. We should at least be appreciative that they at least talk about boxing. Even if sometimes it's really, really negative and they could exaggerated. Say, they could say the same thing about us. I got you. Well, all right, two more super yeah, chats. Keep them going. Carlos Cabrera and Cody8804, thank you very much, guys. Cody says, franchise champ beats Kovalev. He will be pound for pound number one, not Loma. We shall see. We shall see. And Carlos says, Mike, Kimster, and Dougie should do a should get on a show together. We had one. We had one. They stopped paying us. <laughs> on that note, guys. <laughs> that was important. For Steve Kim, I am Michael Montero. Uh, for, uh, I forgot the name of my show first. I was, I was going to say, for 10 count, for the neutral corner, 189B, guys. We'll see you at the fights. Thanks for watching.